0: Hey everyone, it's Kyle from Beyond the Pass. Just wanted to let everybody know we had a little bit of connectivity issues with this one, but the conversation with Adam Berkelman, the Intrepid Eater, was amazing, and we didn't want to take away from the organic feel from the original conversation. So please bear with us, we edited it the best we can. We're here from beautiful vantage venues 27th floor i got my buddy my riding partner nathan hogan yeah um, you can follow him at food in kicks on instagram i always struggle with it because i don't know if i'm getting like the right gangster parts like with the extra Z and the uh, <laughs> you can follow me at kyle mcclure uh, we are like i said we're at vantage venues follow us at vantage venues for all that food content uh wedding packages virtual parties my girl Erin henderson at the wine sisters she's got me sipping on some nice Riders tears on the rocks right now she was gracious enough to hook me up for the podcast um getting loose and, yeah getting loose and if we're just going to keep self-plugging i need those followers on instagram southern yep. underkra- southern underscore crowd smokehouse, smokehouse underscore smokehouse house. Hit us up. We're selling out of food every week, baby. Uh, Get your pre-orders in. Uh, We got a special pork jerk sausage hitting the menu next week or this week. So I call it the crown. That's what I call it. Okay.
1: If you have any like the crown marketing stuff? I need my piece. All right.
0: Just FYI. Yeah. We got that merch coming out soon too with the crown. So I need those, I need those likes. I need those pre-orders. So Um, good guest on today. Real, Real random one for me. I uh, I sort of found him through Instagram uh, through a mutual friend, or more my friend. I guess like uh, somebody that you just sort of know through some circles. But we have, I'm going to butcher his name again. Adam Berkelman. Berklemans. Yeah. Berkelman. And <laughs> but the thing the thing that you need to to know is the intrepid eater. That's that's the handle, right? At the intrepid eater. Yeah, that's right. So so really cool, really cool. I just, I stumbled, just stumbled across, across you, you on, you on Instagram. Instagram. Um through my buddy Anthony liking your posts, I think sharing your posts and uh you know all I follow on Instagram are all these it's just food. But the fact that I follow so much food and I I I looked at one of your pictures and that was enough for me to be like holy shit. Um because what you're putting out there, what uh what your content is on Instagram is unbelievable. Um, and before I had a chance to talk to you, I just assumed you were a professional chef. Like that's how killer your food looks. Um, I read your bio. Um, you're sort of you're an, not sort of you are an outdoorsman and you're sort of hunting, angling, foraging, farming, all your own stuff, which is like right down my alley. So right up my alley. One of those <laughs> things. Um so man, yeah, welcome. I'm excited. Uh, I want to hear all about it. I have so many questions. Um, and I just think it's really, uh, it's really inspiring what you're doing. So, uh, why don't you just give us a little rundown about like, sort of how it all began with you?
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're making, uh, you're me, making me a little bit, bit, a little bit with that intro, intro. Uh, uh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I grew up in, I was born and raised in London, Ontario, um, just in the suburbs. Uh, I just always had a passion for food that was there ever since I was like a toddler. Um, I was always interested. I like started cooking regularly by seven, I think, and was cooking for the family by 12 years old, like full dinners. Um, The most exciting thing I could do was go to Toronto and go into Chinatown when I was like 13 or 14 years old and dig around in all the little uh, shops there, which uh, my family wasn't all that interested in, but that was something that really excited me. and on the other side of that, the whole time I, I loved camping and hiking and, and nature and I could, uh, you know, list bird calls when I was five or six years old, like a 25 different bird calls. I knew tra- animal tracks and trees and I just was always into that. Um, and my family, some of my extended family were into farming, so I did that a lot. So I kind of, uh, you know, I'm here now in my in my 30s. Basically, I've combined all those passions as, that I had as a kid kind of in the one thing, which is pretty cool. Um, I went to high school thinking I was going to be a chef and kind of changed my mind a little bit and ended up going into Sir uh, Stanford Fleming College for for environmental, and outdoors, uh, park operations, outdoor recreation, eco and adventure tourism. I ended up working in northern Alberta as like a backcountry ranger for a couple of years I've worked for a bunch of conservation authorities. I've done a lot of different work like that. And uh, simultaneously, I always worked on the side as like a, you know, as a butcher, as a farmer, I get side jobs all over the place. Um, yeah, in the last few years, I was uh, just kind of settled into farming. I was doing organic vegetable farming in Gatineau. And uh, once COVID hit, that kind of fell apart. And now here I am as the Intrepid Eater. I try to start something new. And I thought it's time to combine kind of all my passions into one, into one thing. So that's what I'm trying out this year.
1: Oh, cool. Well, I do a mean Turkey call. I'm going to save that. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to show up. <laughs> in, case, in case some of your outdoor peeps are going to be viewing this. Uh, well, Northern Alberta as well. How was it like working up there? Did you have like the food bar type guys up there? Typical because I'm an Alberta guy, 10 years there. And food uh, bar, one of my, I'm a like hardcore food bar fan. So what was the culture like up there? out of curiosity it was pretty crazy so I was working in Fort McMurray or out of Fort McMurray so so we lived in a bunkhouse
2: okay. there <laughs> and then I worked in a ranger cabin like in Wood Buffalo or next to Wood Buffalo National Park so I was closer to the northwest territory border than anywhere else and we would go 10 days on in the in the cabin no electricity running water anything and then uh, four days back in town and Fort McMurray at the time was still booming so it was just a crazy place. It was full of East Coasters from like most of my friends were for Cape Breton or from Newfoundland or from whatever. And uh and oh. everyone had like a shit ton of money except for the guys working for the government, which I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you could make more working at Tim Hortons at the time, but I had a really cool job. Uh yeah, it was just it was a wild place. It was kind of like a wild west. I couldn't have ever have walked out of college into a job like that in Ontario at like you can go up there and kind of do whatever you want. So it was, it was really neat.
1: Crazy. I have like this vision of new fees in Northern Alberta and, you know, like that's uh, that's another, that's another podcast, but anyway, so uh, um, we talked about before you were, you're a pretty well-traveled guy.
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. I've been, um, I started traveling a little late. Like I never got to do the kind of pre-college or post-college, like disappear and go backpacking kind of things. So I was always working too much. But uh, as soon as I was made enough money to go, I went to um, Belize and Guatemala and did some touring down there. And then I went to Mexico, to Guadalajara. I have a friend there who was actually, there was a, an exchange program in, uh, in uh, Fort McMurray with the firefighters. So a big group of Mexican guys came up and were working out there. And I made friends with a few and got invited back to Guadalajara. So I don't know if I met any Albertans in Alberta. I think it was all Mexicans. and uh, <laughs> 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 uh,
1: Yeah,
2: so yeah, I had some amazing experiences there. I've uh, been back and did like Merida in the Yucatan, Patanaru. And I went back again with another friend and did Oaxaca recently, mm. which was amazing. Um, yeah, I've been through, I have friends in Germany. I've visited them a few times, like Berlin and Bremen, uh, Frankfurt um i've been through uh istanbul um did a big trip to jordan which was amazing i went and stayed in the desert in like in bedouin goat hair tents um and then my uh my partner's sister is in uh lives in south africa she's actually here right now uh quarantining with me which is fun uh so her uh, partner is south african and they live in johannesburg so we've been there a few times the south africa and mozambique and they've done the you know, Kruger and and travel around to Cape Town,
1: uh, Johannesburg. So I think that's mostly the extent of it. Yeah. So, well, let's get on the food track here, Kyle. Like, let's, uh, let's see. I'm curious on, uh, you know, Kyle hit it with some food stuff. Like where do your influences, I mean, I've looked at your Instagram page and there's, there's Africa, there's Mexico. So, uh, what do you got my friend?
0: Yeah. So I guess just to touch on it, just because you were talking about it, um, out of all the places you traveled, what what food spoke to you the most? What scene did you like? What, just, what was the most captivating for you out of all your travels? What what did you what did you find yourself really digging?
2: That's a pretty tough one. But Istanbul was funny. I did a 12-hour layover on the way to Africa and a 12-hour layover on the way back from Africa. So I've spent a total of 24 hours in Istanbul. But that blew me away. I just stuck my face with as many street foods as I could possibly uncomfortably fit in my body and every single one was a revelation and I still don't know exactly what I ate or what I was doing there, but there was...
0: okay so what, what, was the, what was the
2: highlight of, of, the, of,
0: of that what's, what's the number one thing that sticks in your head from Istanbul what was the best bite
2: I think I, we went to this place that had, a, that had manti they're like these little tiny dumplings with yogurt and chili oil um, and there's a huge plate of like fermented pickles. I was trying to ask for water and I ended up with this copper mug full of frothy yogurt drink, which turned out to be pretty awesome as well. <laughs> but yeah, it was just so delicious. And the, the dumplings were tiny. Um, I just have to actually replicated the recipe recently with uh venison, which turned out pretty good. So uh, yeah, that really stuck out in my mind. It's just an awesome, delicious experience in Istanbul there.
0: Dumplings 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 and fermented fermented pickles. You're speaking my love language, man. Oh yeah, it's good Uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, So I guess my first question, like I just sort of jumped onto that one because we were talking about traveling, but I think my first real question was supposed to be with all the outdoors, um, the hunting, the angling, the farming, um, what about that do you adapt to your everyday cooking style or is the answer, it's sort of everything. And if that is the answer, just like how are you working that in every day?
2: I think um, this year, being the COVID whatever year, year and a half now, has been really instructional to me on how to live seasonally. Like we all have been talking about using eating seasonally for what twenty, what, 20 years now. Years now and it's sometimes bullshit, and sometimes not. But uh, I find now that I'm fishing and I'm hunting and I'm foraging daily and I'm fermenting, and I'm pickling, and I'm cooking, like, I find myself living way more with the seasons where I'll eat, like, 20 wild greens dish dishes for, you know, two weeks, and then there's no more left. And then I moved on to, you know, pike dishes, and then I moved on to um, berries, and then I moved on to, like, Canada geese or whatever. And uh, I don't limit myself in any way to that seasonal eating. Like, I'm still eating... Mangoes and using lemons. I'm not within a hundred mile diet or anything, but I like to try to supplement everything I eat with something I grow or something I find in the wild or or something I hunt or fish, and that's really changed the way I cook big time. And I think the flavors of my my food and my cooking have gotten infinitely better because of it. So I guess you would consider
0: that sort of your philosophy as well, then, right? Um, you sort of always try to use something that you've hunted fish, forage, something like that in all the, in most of the dishes that you're eating, all of the dishes that you're eating?
2: Yeah, when I can. And I try not to ever limit myself because a lot of people kind of, like I only eat wild game or I only eat within the 100-mile diet or I only eat this or that. Like I try to not contain myself into that. But if I can, like I'm always out there harvesting. I'm always out there fishing and everything. If I can bring something home and, and incorporate it into like an international meal, um i will definitely do that um when when and if i can every time
1: yeah nice um so because you know you're you're well traveled so you're your palate's experienced and and i'm sure you're playing around with different dishes that influences from africa turkey what have you so where uh, are you ordering like with all of those exotic spices and all these other things that you're playing around with where are those coming from because first of all where are you located currently right now where are you based out of
2: So I am North of Kingston right now, about half hour North of Kingston on Mm -hmm. a little Lake in a little kind of cottage that we uh, transformed from, you know, like a kind of a dumpy three season cottage to a house. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're, yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere, living in the woods basically, uh, which is really nice. Um, But that means there's no restaurant food. There's no, like the grocery stores do a a good job for a small town, like in Westport and Kingston to do good job. But, uh, yeah, it's nothing like Toronto or Ottawa where you can get all these awesome um, vegetables and different spices and everything. So yeah, in terms of, of getting those ingredients that I use, cause I use a, a wide ar- array of spices and, and ingredients in my cooking on a regular basis. Um, whenever I go traveling, I bring home a suitcase full of it <laughs> and be everything I can get through the border mm-hmm. uh, to my girlfriend's chagrin sometimes. Um, then you know, I'll take a trip to, I'll drive a few hours to Ottawa and, and go to the TNT up there or something. And I'll just fill my car and stuff my, my cupboards full of stuff. And so it will last me like a couple months until I have to do it again. So I, I tend to I tend to go through phases where I'll cook a lot of Middle Eastern food or a lot of African food, or a lot of Asian food. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because I've just stuffed my cupboards full of those ingredients. So
1: Right, so, so TNT. Yeah. So you, did you ever go in there and just grab random stuff just to learn about it? Like, just say I don't know what the hell this is, and go home and play with it and see how you can incorporate that into a new creation.
2: Yeah, I've been doing that since I was like twelve years old. Yeah. So anything like, if I see something and I don't know what it is, it's in my cart, and I'm and I'm uh, experimenting when I get home. Like, I can't even help myself if I wanted to. So, right. Yeah.
1: So you said you haven't been to Asia, but you enjoy cooking Asian food. So, um, what kind of Asian food are you playing around with? um what do you like what what regions of asia do you like to play around with and you feel you're pretty confident in cooking
0: and also the pressure is on for this this one because nate used to be a, a executive chef through hong kong so make sure oh, you no. your, make sure you got your answers tight
2: well <laughs> <laughs> uh, i say the most like i love i just love all of it um i'm not I'd like to get more into Filipino and Indonesian cuisine because I know next to nothing about it. So I'd say those ones, I just haven't gotten into such a huge world, uh, but I will. Um, I've always just adored, adored Vietnamese and Thai. And uh, after reading Fuchsia Dunlop's book on, on Sichuan cooking, I instantly bought all her other books and dove head, head first into Sichuan. And I, I'd say that's like my favorite cuisine. I just love the the deep spices like maple tofu I'd say is my very very favorite dish like I just love it and I love cooking it and i I really tried for for a couple of years to cook it as authentically as possible mm-hmm. and I've since then have like left it a little looser and let it just influence the way I cook um, and, and the ingredients and everything and not stick so tightly to the the authenticity of the recipes mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Sichuan, I'd say is the biggest one for me.
1: Wow, so that's like uh, so you like the heat, but you also like the the, the numbness. Um, interesting, because you know most people would jump to well, just like Southern Chinese food or Japanese, but you you're diving elsewhere in the Filipino. You should you know next time you're in Toronto, if you want to educate yourself about uh, Filipino cuisine, booming here now. Like and and, mm-hmm. and a lot of actually former students of mine are leading the charge, and, and they're doing exceptionally well. So this would be a good uh, a good um toronto would be a great spot for you to just to dive into some restaurants so if you're, you're rolling up here next day, if you want to do the filipino tour i can definitely guide you on that front
2: i would absolutely love that because it's uh it's something i want to know i'm just hungry for all that knowledge i want to eat it i want to know what all i want to cook it so yeah if I, more i can learn the better
1: it's impressive like because like i'm talking to you here and i just think you're a chef every time when you every, everything you did you explain something Every time you've got this curious mind, as we all do, we always want to know why and what. And we, you know, so it's, uh, I got to keep reminding myself that uh, (laughs) you're not professional and that's not a dig. That's actually like a massive compliment. So uh, it's just refreshing to meet somebody new. I I thought I'd met all types in this industry, but, you know, Adam, you're like, uh, you're like a pioneer. And uh, so good on you, man. Keep it up.
0: You know, the the thing that I've noticed too, is like when you're talking to chefs, sometimes like even me and you and we're talking, Nate, Sometimes when we're talking about food, it's very nonchalant, right? Because it's something that we're so used to doing and we take for granted because we've been doing it for so long and in the industry for so long. And that's how we're making our money. But, uh, the way Adam's talking, it's like all the, all the answers he's giving us are so well thought out. Right. They're like very, um, like, yeah, just like really appreciate the, the, the way you're, how well thought out the answers are and how much care there is into the answers. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting, man, like it's, it's really cool to, to see somebody that has so much love for food, you know, like, because um, sometimes the unfortunate thing in the industry is some of the love gets stripped away, right? Because mm. um, when you love something, you should never really do it as your career. <laughs> um, so one thing that really spoke to me, other than the fact that your food looked amazing and was super interesting and vibrant and all that good stuff was the outdoorsman stuff, right? Cause like, I like to think that I, like I'm not an outdoorsman, but I love to fish and I live in the country and I've always, you know, I'm really into animals and like you, uh, uh, really into
1: birds. Um, so I guess- Sorry, I just- <laughs> there <laughs> you go. No dig for my boy. Go ahead, Kyle.
0: Was that like, I don't know, Nate, what what bird that was supposed to sound like, but. No, that was. <laughs> doesn't no, that- 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 <laughs> um you- So my, (laughs) so my question is, um, with the hunting, the angling, the foraging, the farming, if you're creating a dish, do you take more pride in creating a dish that's based off of one of those things individually, or is it just sort of, you love all your children the same, or is it like I, or it's like you hunted something. I'm, I take this a little bit more seriously, or I, I love to fish so much. And I like fishing this species of fish. I take that a little bit more seriously, or do you sort of just love them all the same?
2: I find um, it's kind of an inescapable fact. Like anything you kill with your own hands, you take more seriously. And I wish I could say that I take meat from the grocery store just as seriously, but I I simply don't. Like once you once you kill something yourself and and see it die, like I'm eating the I'm eating the feet on that thing. I'm eating the heart. I'm eating the gizzard. I'm eating everything. I'm going to take special care to not waste anything. Um, even the fish, like I don't. I'm not particularly fond of just the, the quick fillets where you lose half the fish. Like I'm eating the cheeks. I'm eating the collars. I'm, I'm finding, I'm eating the skin. I've been hearing about deep frying bones of small fish. You can just crunch on them like potato chips. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I find myself wasting way less and, and really paying attention to um, like making sure it's really good. Uh, and also making sure that I cook it well. Like, I'm not going to shoot a goose out of the sky or shoot a deer or something. Not that I've never shot a deer yet, unfortunately, but, uh, I'm not going to do that. And then, and then like, I'll just, whatever, throw it away in some, whatever recipe and, uh, and then throw half of it out. Like I'm going to pay particular attention to how it's done and try not to fuck it up. So,
1: um, sorry Kyle, i'm gonna jump in one second you need yeah. to follow josh Nealand. i don't know if you if you follow him on yeah. instagram okay absolutely right. uh, yeah. just
0: oh he's pr- he's probably heard us talk about him a few times right <laughs> you've heard us yeah, talk about
1: him? He, yeah, he, i'm just obsessed with the guy and um, yeah he's he's yeah, pretty same. special he's played the
2: great stuff and actually, actually Hank Shaw just put out a, a fishing cookbook i don't know if you heard of hank shaw he's like the perfect amalgamation of like cooking outdoors man kind of thing uh he does a lot of awesome you know uh, like wild game and fish and everything you just put a fish cookbook that i'm reading right now it's it's mind-blowing it's awesome so that's another guy to watch out for in the fish world that's sure. hank hank shaw is that what you said yeah that's great
0: awesome uh one thing that you mentioned when you're uh talking about using all the parts uh using the collars of fish uh, i can't reiterate enough to people that are listening like there's not a lot of stuff you can get the type of flavor you can get out of uh, f- uh, the fish collar, yeah, um, right. super versatile. That meat's really good if you're preparing it right. Uh, mm. So yeah, no, shout outs. That's a good, that's a good thing to bring up. That's uh, something that I think a lot of people aren't trying to use, but um, delicious yeah. uh, when it comes to building flavors. I uh, try to tell my cooks a lot of the time when you're making stews and sauces and dishes, it's like building a house and you need that strong foundation and one way you can get a really strong foundation in your dish is like a fish dish is starting with the fish collars, searing those off, making your sauces from that, um, really, really great tip, uh, for those looking
2: to do, uh, some, some, some in-depth, in-depth fish fish dishes. dishes. Yeah, they're oh. so good. And just the whole fish, like North Americans don't seem to like, or maybe Canadians and Americans don't seem to like whole fish for some reason, uh, when I post um whole fish on my Instagram or on Facebook. They I always get some smart ass comment of like, oh, why would you leave the heads on? That's disgusting or puke faces and all that kind of stuff. But the, the whole world eats whole fish other than us. We're like sitting at the kids' table, like getting our little fish sticks While the whole world is enjoying fish properly. And if there's one thing I could do with this thing is to convince people that whole fish are are delicious and all like getting in there with your fingers like getting all the different parts, not just that white filet. Uh, it's incredible. And and you're, you're taking that flavor to a whole nother level with that. It's, it's awesome. People need to start looking into that. I think.
0: I think in North America, we're just spoiled, right? Every, everything's so convenient for everybody all the time. So nobody wants the convenient or the inconvenience of having to pick around bones, or if they don't like the skin, they have to pull mm-hmm. it off. And I, I think that we're just, you know, spoiled in Canada and North America, a lot of us. Right. Um, yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, well, I mean, Nate, you lived in China for so long. Right. And it's like, they're not, people aren't living like that there. Right. They're eating fish the way, like, like Adam just said, whole fish, the way it's supposed to be getting all the delicious parts. D- did you answer the favorite type of food question when you said Sichuan, or do you have another type of food that, you know, would sort of lead the way as far as like, uh, one last meal or, something that you crave on the regular that, you know, you would say that's my favorite thing to eat or my favorite style of thing to eat.
2: Yeah. I think um, like anyone who follows me on Instagram, Facebook probably sees that I cook something different pretty much every single day. It's rare that I ever repeat a meal. Um, There's just too many meals out there that I want to cook and try to, to repeat meals. But the one I do repeat for sure is Mapo tofu. I love Mapo tofu so much. It's, such a good dish. And I wish everyone It's such a comforting, awesome dish that belongs in everyone's reptile. So easy. uh, Yeah, that'd be my favorite. I think that one that I return to a lot. And one, you know, that we like I make my girlfriend for a birthday, like, I, I eat that if I need some sort of food comfort, like that's the way to go um i got all hammered the other night and made and put it on craft dinner at, at two in the morning <laughs> yeah that's you know funny. that's what i turned to <laughs> have you
1: that's ever tried uh the stinky tofu or as we call it the chow tofu have you ever tried that before
2: yeah i tried it at a fair once and uh there was like a night market kind of fair in ottawa that i i
1: had yeah it. yeah yeah,
2: yeah it was pretty it's, good
1: you like it yeah i know i was like i ran from it for so long um and then famous part of uh, hong kong and uh yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy it. I tried, tried really hard, but uh yeah, it was beyond my palate. It's like, literally it stinks up a, a whole, like as soon as you walk out of the subway, that's all you smell, right? It's just like, no yeah, line yeah. up around the block to get it. So, I mean, I gave it the good, uh, I gave it the old college try, but uh, I just wasn't feeling it. it was just a little too potent for me.
2: Yeah. Kyle, it wasn't, as a mind blowing as I, was, uh, I was, like, I was really excited to try it cause it's just so much myth and legend surrounding it. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, but I lived in Chinatown in Ottawa for a while and uh, the night market was held on the street there and that's all I could smell for three nights uh-huh. in my apartment was <laughs> stinky tofu. Also- yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so I've got a question. Uh, so again, inspiration, um, you know, obviously you're a well-read and versed guy. You've done your research. So where where your influences lie? Maybe like, is it a combo of outdoorsmen? Like, um, you know, uh, one guy that pops into mind is... Um, what's his face from Pierre Cochon and up in, in oh, Quebec. Yeah. Of, he, kind of, yes. So he's, he's pretty killer. You know, he's uh, he had a quite the movement there, you know, a dozen years ago, what have you. And I really, I really admired what he did. And it's funny when you see those guys cooking, you'd be like, Oh, they look like a bunch of mountain men, outdoorsmen. And you see them on the stoves and they're just so precise. And their techniques are so pristine. So, you know, throw a couple inspirations, whether it's like media driven or something from a book or, you know, because, I always like that. That's the story behind where you got to this point with food. So let's
2: yeah. have it. Well, Martin Bicard, for sure. He like, I probably encountered him on Anton Bourdain's episode when he went to Montreal. Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain being one of the hugest influences in my life in terms of cooking and everything, which I think everyone who came on this show probably says that. But uh, yeah, big time when I was like a, teen- a young teenager, just ripping through his books and watching everything he had. But he went to Opie Sham our Martin Picard's restaurant, and I was like, "I need to be there. I need to be there." And <laughs> uh, and Montreal seemed like a long ways away from London, Ontario when I was a kid. But I eventually made it out there and, and ate. And I've been there a whole bunch of times, like to his to his uh, Sugar Shack restaurant and everything. And uh, I still, to this day, say it's my favorite restaurant out there. Uh,
1: yeah, Montreal's got some, you know boom and spots, Joe beef. And it's just like, it's just such a, such a different planet than what we do here in Toronto. So it's good. It's good that you've experienced that. So who else? Uh, Yeah.
2: So um, Fuchsia Dunlop, who I mentioned already, like, like reading her books and just being introduced to regional Chinese cooking, not, not Chinese food. I'm doing air quotes with my fingers right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like regional Chinese and and really seeing like the simplicity of country Chinese food and, and home style cooking, instead of just the restaurant kind of food mm-hmm. uh, it was huge um like Hergis, uh sorry fergus henderson um doing like the, the like i'm huge on on those a tail yeah. um and jennifer McLogan actually she's i think she's from australia but she's at the toronto quite a bit but have you ever read her books she does like the bones blood bitter um odd bits those books they're they're all amazing and they they've all come to me at the perfect time in my life where I was ready for a book like that to transform the way I cook. And uh, yeah, they're all amazing. So yeah. So like kind of whole animal cooking butchery um, using different parts, like taking the, I like to do things the hard way, I think in my life. And that's definitely doing that. So I I think those people really influenced the way I do things uh, for sure. And then in, in terms of the outdoor, um, the problem I think with, with a lot of it was for years, every book I picked up on outdoor, like wild game, cooking, fishing, blah, blah, blah. They're all like so simple. It was like, uh, like I'm a simple countryman, like simple food, put uh, mushroom soup in the crock pot with whatever, like fried and bacon. There, there wasn't anything, there was no vibrancy to the food. And that's finally starting to change. I think with like guys like Hank Shaw, who I mentioned the guys from uh, there's, these guys from uh, Alberta that running a thing called uh, from the wild Um, and they're doing an amazing job too. Uh, And they're, they're doing, you know, like chefy food, but approachable food, wild game, fish, foraging, turning into a lifestyle of like awesome, healthy, amazing food and not trying to disguise like the gamey flavors or make it taste not like wild game. Like there, I think there's a movement on now. Uh, that's really making all that kind of food way better, and I, I'm so glad it's here. So I think it's about time.
0: yeah I guess like a, a part of like it being becoming really popular now is, you know, Netflix picked up Meat Eater, mm-hmm. um and what's his name at Rennell Scott Rennell is his uh, name. Steve Rennell. Steve, Steve Rennell. Sorry, yeah, yeah. that's close. Yeah. That counts. That counts. I'll take it. <laughs> close enough. Yeah, that's close. Sorry with an S. <laughs> um, yeah like sort of just like sort of bringing that to the forefront really respecting what you're killing uh, yeah uh, and just uh it being important that you're using all the parts of the meat and sort of giving you um, an idea on how to do that and how it shouldn't be this foreign scary thing
2: yeah and taking Uh, some of the the macho bullshit away from hunting um making it inclusive making it about food making it about good times for women and men, like people of color for everyone, not just like this bearded grizzled guy who doesn't, who throws the deer for his wife to cook up like enough of that stuff. Like that's kind of modernize it. I think, you know, yeah. what's,
0: what's, ch- what you just said, which I, which I found from watching the show too, is um these guys are basically professional hunters. Um, in some of the times when these guys are, are shooting caribou or elk uh, the emotion they're overcome with after they kill one of these things really does go to show you that uh, going out there and trying to just going to murder things and have a good time and shoot some stuff it's like these guys really care and uh, you know they're they're doing that because they respect the meat they're doing it to feed their family Um, and the fact that they're emotional after it just proves that they have some respect and love for nature and that animal and stuff so um, I think a lot of people don't realize that they just think sometimes hunters are going out, and I'm sure some are, are just going out there to shoot stuff and then drink beers with their buddies or whatever it is, right?
2: Yeah, but they, yeah, there's there's more to it than that, and there's a little bit of that too. You know, there's and there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, but there's more to it than that, and I think bringing in the food aspect and, and treating the food with with a lot of respect is the the next step to that as well. Um. So I guess I kind of
0: got a three-part question. question, um, favorite thing to fish, favorite thing to hunt and what's your bucket list for both things, things that you haven't hunted or fished
2: yet the year that's on your bucket list that you need to do. Okay. Uh, favorite thing to fish so far is uh pike. I love fishing for pike. I love cooking pike and eating pike, and I love telling people to eat pike because <laughs> it's it's got this bad rap as a trash fish for a lot of people.
0: It definitely has a bad rap. And I definitely yeah. hate, and I, and I'm always get frustrated catching pikes. I catch so many <laughs> of them all the time. I'm always pissed off when I start reeling it and there's a pike on the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so that's, so that's funny. So pike is number one.
2: Yeah. I love it. It tastes great. It's, it's different. It's different shaped. It's, it's really cool. It's an aggressive fish. It's got those big teeth, which are kind of awesome to pull into the boat. Um, I really noticed that, like, all the, the shit fish, once again, I'm using air quotes here, uh, carp and pike and all these fish that that all these old guys for years have said, ah, oh, they're not even worth eating. They're all hard to fillet, and is yeah. that really the reason why it's a shit fish and doesn't taste good in air quotes because people didn't want to bother filleting them? Yeah, pike are a little tricky with the, the Y
0: bone and all that, right? They're a little bit uh, trickier to fillet for sure.
2: Yeah, so but yeah, they're, they're tasty. I, I have a lot of pike recipes on my, on my website and I, I cook a lot of pike and I really enjoy it. So yeah, that's the answer for that for hunting. Uh, so far, my favorite thing for hunting has been uh, wild goose, uh, Canada goose, um, in part probably cause that's the one I've been most successful with. So I'm a relatively new hunter and I haven't been super successful and, uh, COVID hasn't helped because it's really taken over a lot of the traveling aspect of like for hunting for me, but, uh, but geese, Canada geese have been super successful with. It's like, um, there's a lot of camaraderie cause you can kind of hang out with a bunch of guys in an area and you can chat. Well, there aren't any geese in the area. You can hear them coming. So uh, you don't have to be so still and quiet for so long. And then when the action starts, it's crazy. It's heart pounding, adrenaline rushing, you're calling them in, If you make a little mistake, they fly away and you're kicking yourself. And when you finally pop up and get a couple, it's, it's crazy. And then you have to run out into a cornfield or wherever you're hunting as fast as you can. The middle
0: middle of the Home Depot parking lot.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Any park in the city. Uh, Yeah. And then bring them back and it's just um, crazy. I love it. And then I really love cooking it too. Um, I've been experimenting a lot with them and they're, it's a lot like a sirloin steak. Like the, the breasts are like sterling steak, and the thighs and legs are like you can slow cook them down into pulled pork, basically. Like, there's nothing bad about geese. They're really oh, wow. good. Yeah. Um, so, what would be the bucket list for both then? The bucket list. Well, I've been having uh, two years of consistent boat motor problems and issues that have not allowed me to go fishing for lake trout. Um, even though they're lake trout, like, a half a kilometer away from where I'm sitting right now and and it's just been problem after problem so I think my bucket list is just to get out and get a goddamn lake trout in my own lake uh which hopefully will happen soon
0: well what you just gotta wait till it ices over a little bit man and you can just go out there and uh and hit some lake trout ice fishing style
2: yeah you can't on my lake unfortunately I would have tried but oh really yeah it's only in the spring or like like June kind of uh July so it's not over yet so i'll hopefully get out and do that um, and then hunting, hunting it's a bear for sure i went bear hunting once this year with no luck but uh that's something i would just really want to experiment with and cook with and and try and i think it would be a really exciting hunt so yeah that's my bucket list i'd say um,
0: I'll hit you with mine just because I like to think of myself as a, uh, but, uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite thing to fish is, is, I love fishing in the river and I love fishing for uh, steelhead. That would be my favorite, okay. um, you fly, you're fly
2: fishing for those,
0: uh, center pin, um, okay. and center pin in, in, spinning, depending, uh, if my back is hurting, I, I, uh, I spin because yep. I find my center pin rod to be very heavy. And like the motion as far as like doing the wells casting and stuff really bothers my back if i have if i'm having long days so because i'm an old man out of shape mm-hmm. uh sometimes uh but so yeah fishing for steelies is probably my favorite thing um and i my bucket list is, is i want to go like fishing in the flats uh for like bonefish yeah um, that's something like i really really want to do barracuda bonefish those that just seems like a very exciting time um so yeah that that would be my bucket list and Hunting, I haven't tried yet. Um, my goal is to, to start hunting next year. Um, I think I'm gonna start off
2: with turkeys. We'll see how she goes. Yeah, turkeys, uh, or you can uh, join us for, for Canada Goose and take out your aggression on them, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I have no love lost for Canada Geese. Uh, they've, they've given me the gears a few times on the golf course, so um, maybe I can get a little <laughs> bit of revenge. Um, I'd totally be into that. What's the craziest thing that's happened to you out in the bush?
2: Do you have anything uh, super exciting? Um, the most dangerous thing I encountered on the bush. while like way out there was, uh, yeah. Drunk guys on quads with guns. Like they were like, yeah, working way out in the middle of nowhere. You just get these guys who come to check out the government facilities. We just by facilities, I mean, a little tiny ranger cabin and, uh, hammered armed to the teeth. Um, that's when I felt scared, but Honestly, when you're living out there, you just like there's bears everywhere all the time. You get used to it. You figure out how to deal with them. Um, yeah, if you just we were never armed, I think, which which really helps. Like you never get to to lean on having a weapon to to protect you. So you just kind of learn how to accept the nature around you and not live in fear all the time and just become part of it. I guess so. Yeah. So I feel like it was pretty pretty chill out there in terms of um hunting stories like I haven't been hunting for that long but the craziest thing I did I've done so far was uh duck hunting on Lake Ontario in December um we were hunting on like just off the shore and I had a little kayak and there was ice floating ice like huge chunks of ice everywhere and my buddy and I uh would shoot down the the ducks and then i'd jump in the kayak and and go retrieve them uh try not to get like overwhelmed by all the chunks of ice floating everywhere and just getting like completely smashed by insanely cold waves right over my whole body and uh but we got a bunch of ducks the other day and it was a hell of a time so <laughs> i think oh, those I mean, days I- when it's harder it's actually you feel better about it all oh that's good because it yeah, sounds more important from
0: you <laughs> <laughs> uh nate what do you got for us bud
1: uh well i want i had more questions like uh like if there's any for? now we're on sort of the topic of sort of wild stories did you uh have any wild experiences in africa whether it was wildlife or indigenous uh
2: yeah you kind of a bit there but i think i got the gist uh Last time we went to Africa, it was actually pretty intense. Uh, it was, I think, in February, we left. We were there for quite a long time. And uh, COVID kind of hit as we showed up to Africa. So we did like a layover in Frankfurt. We were like checking everything. And then the world shut down as we got to Africa and we flew into Johannesburg. Uh, uh, my girlfriend, her sister, and her uh, boyfriend all drove together to Mozambique. And then we almost like we were driving through this crazy little border. And they said that if we showed a fever, they were, you know, like doing the temperature gun, they would put us in this like little shack in the jungle basically, and leave us there for six weeks. So it was pretty intense. Uh, we did that. And then we went to uh, Kruger national park, which is incredible. If anyone can ever has a chance to go there, go there. Cause it's so cool. Um, and we had booked uh, like a walk through Kruger with guides. So you basically go to this little camp and you go out every day and walk um, with these guides. And there should have been 12 people, but everyone dropped out due to COVID. So my girlfriend and I were the only two people in the whole camp with two guides. So we had like a million dollar experience just because of COVID. Um, We couldn't go home at the time. Our flights got canceled everything. So we're like, might as well just go for it. And uh, the first morning right on a walk with these two guides and they're saying the most dangerous animal out there one of the most dangerous animals is is a male water buffalo that's been booted out of the herd by like the next upcoming young male they call them dugga boys and they are hyper aggressive and can kill you in so many different ways and that was the first thing we mm-hmm. ran into in the morning and there was a standoff between the guide with his like the guns were up the the bull was pawing the ground and, and bluffing, and we were being sent to hide behind little bushes and everything. It was pretty intense; uh, had the heart beating for sure. And luckily, we got away from it. And then uh, we just got to walk through the through the plains of Africa and South Africa and, and see all these like rhinos and lions and everything and wild dogs up close. It was just incredible. Uh, such a cool experience. And yeah, it sounds amazing. Man. COVID. yeah. <laughs> And then we almost got stuck in Africa. So all the flights got canceled and we got the very last flight out of South Africa, uh, the very last flight before it all got shut down. So so would you still be there now then? Is that how? Or uh, Not anymore, but we would have been there for a few months, I think. We were starting to look at apartments and stuff. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So it was a, uh, that was an intense trip.
0: So I guess you never would have thought that after living in the wild in northern Alberta that the scariest thing that would happen to you with a wild animal would be a water buffalo and not a grizzly bear right like you or a moose yeah uh,
2: yeah i had a couple of crazy encounters with moose but never to nothing scary but that that water buffalo was, or that buffalo was freaking scary it was nuts
0: bro i'm a terrified of moose like that's like the thing that i'm scared of in the wild like they don't they don't screw around Those that's no, what i'm afraid of
2: yeah you gotta be careful with them
0: <laughs> yeah i <laughs> so big and strong uh so I guess like um because a lot of it is about like eating natural foods your food looks so fresh so vibrant so healthy every time i look at a picture it makes me feel bad about myself <laughs> um what's the what's the go to fast food like would you ever crave like you ever crave like a a big mac or like whatever or insert whatever junk crappy junk food fast food placers. Is, is there something on your list that like that you're ashamed to say that uh every once in a while you get a craving for
2: and I actually stopped probably like a year and a half ago just like oh, okay that's enough and I just cut it completely out of my life like all the like the chains so I haven't had it in a long time uh but I do always like a Big Mac and uh but really the fast food that I crave like had living out in the woods i haven't eaten at a restaurant in like a year and a half because of COVID and where we live and what i crave more than anything like i'm not craving fancy restaurants i'm not craving um a lot of things you think i would be at. like i'm craving shawarma oh, or, buddy! i was just know, gonna like, say
0: that's what yeah. i was gonna add up to is like you could never like i'll never turn a shawarma down like no, that's man. like my that's like my like I'm probably made up of like 75% shawarma. Like that's like my go-to um, and up close to where I live in Alliston, there's a, a couple of ladies that run a place, a Lebanese place and everything's fresh made and home cooked and like, holy fuck, bro. <laughs> like yeah. I'm telling you, it's so good. So yeah, that that's my answer. I don't know if that counts as fast food, but. I don't know. Is. It's
2: You can't make it at home really. Like I can't, get 20 pounds of meat and put it on a vertical skewer and cook it in my kitchen. So like the shawarma I make at home is garbage compared to what they just make for five bucks, you know? Yeah. And I lived in Ottawa for a while and like shawarma palace there, like there's some awesome shawarma in, uh, in Ottawa. So it's that kind of stuff that I really miss like that, those like kind of, um, sandwiches, like, like awesome Italian sandwiches or, or me or, or shawarma. Like I can't seem to replicate that at home, uh, as well as I want to. And that's what I miss and crave all the time.
0: Oh man. Definitely speak in my love language. Cause, uh, uh, I'm unfortunately from Brampton, Ontario. Oh shout, yeah. Shout outs to little bricks. Uh, but, uh, Brampton is sort of like the home of like the independent pizza, pizza place and every neighborhood mm. sort of had one. Um, so there's some deadly or was some deadly, uh, Italian sandwich shops, uh, shout outs to Tony and Jim's. That was the one in my neighborhood. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely nostalgia all the way. So if you're going with shawarma's and Italian sandwiches, I'm on your, I'm on your team, bud. <laughs> all right, Nate, what else do you got, But Do you want to hit them with some randoms? You got a couple?
1: Three random questions. <laughs>
0: um, my, my random question is, um, and I don't even know if you watch TV because you're out in the wilderness, but uh, we always try to ask somebody something that's sort of out there, movies or sports related um, I know in the last, what, 15, 15-ish years, uh, 20, 15 years, uh, the, t- the TV show box sets and TV show seasons and Netflix and all that, um, everybody has the debates. What's your, uh, what's your go-to, uh, TV series? What, what gets you
2: going? Uh, I never did watch that much TV, but this past year there hasn't been much else to do. Like my social life has dwindled down to, um, like one group of friends now, so uh, I d- tend to either go for kind of brain twisters like Maniac or Russian Doll, or or kind of like cool things I can delve into and kind of blows my mind a little bit, um, or stupid comedies like cartoon. Yeah, what, what, what car, uh, what cartoon, what cartoon are you into? What's the one? you Know like uh like Rick and Morty, or I've been watching this close enough show, which is pretty good. Like I like all those kind of adult cartoons. Yeah, uh, I, I love yeah.
0: them too. Everybody's telling me to watch Big Mouth, I think is what it's called. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, that was really good too. Yeah, that one, yeah, uh, yeah. my my buddy Dave Newman shouts, I know he watches. So uh he he gave me the wreck. Uh again, he's the second guy that's given it to me. And he's also a big Rick and Morty guy. He went on a little Rick and Morty rant when he was at Southern Crown. Uh <laughs> Uh, last week about uh how visually appealing it is and how great it is he sounds like a super fan so um and i've heard really good things about russian doll my old sous chef johnny uh really uh really big that one up i haven't had a chance to watch that yet um i'll say my number one uh is the wire that is uh to the death my number one show uh what a great what a great uh, series uh from start to finish
2: yeah um, I, I, I was in the bush while that was all on and all my sure. friends my girlfriend everyone watched it and now i feel like my girlfriend's said that i should probably watch it but it seems like a big thing to get into but i think i think it's in my future i gotta it's, i think i have to do it
0: it's definitely worth it um really good show some people will tell you that the second season is bad those people are fucking idiots. That, that's that show is good from uh, episode one till the very end. One of the best uh, endings of any show I've ever seen. So, uh, shout out to the Wired. You did sort of uh, give us the heads up that you don't know much about sports because that seems to be me and Nate's uh, big <laughs> thing. But you said if you're going to hit me with a sports question, it has to be about Kelly Gruber. What's your favorite oh, Kelly? No. Gru- What's your favorite Kelly Gruber moment? I got. Uh, I got, I got some Kelly Gruber memories. Uh, you got anything, you got any memories of Kelly Gruber?
2: Not particularly. I, I think it was my favorite baseball card. Uh, when I was really young, like I, I just had this one of them, you know, just the way he was his stance, pitch and whatever. And I just like put that at the very top beginning, beginning of my, of my baseball baseball card card. collection and, uh, my extent of base, my knowledge uh, of baseball really, doesn't go much past that baseball credit of Kelly Gruber.
0: <laughs> oh, fair enough. And like the thing about Kelly Gruber that is so relatable, especially for kids, especially with those uh, powdered blue, blue blue JJ blue uniforms, uniforms and that, and that flowing, flowing hand hair. hair, and just the right mix of cocaine and athleticism is what yeah. makes Kelly Gruber. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we can all sort of relate to good old <laughs> Kelly Gruber uh, with the chewing tobacco and the yeah the long flowing hair.
1: Okay, so here's one. So give me your best, uh, your your favorite um, restaurant or food driven movie.
2: Uh, food movie.
1: Yeah. Huh. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. There's a lot of whack whack ones out there, right? Like there's just some ones that are awful. But my favorite one's the Big Night. If you've ever seen that one, that's uh, that's a brilliant one.
2: Yeah, that's with the. Uh... What's his name? Um,
1: Curly they... hair, and... yeah. 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 That one's, I
2: watched that a long time ago. I can barely remember.
1: I remember yeah, like, I feel, just watch it again. It's really good. Why can't you yeah. just leave it starch alone? That's like my favorite part. Where he loses <laughs> like, his mind. I can relate. Right. Yeah, Someone I... wants a pasta and a risotto on the same plate and he just goes, goes Kyle on him.
2: <laughs> uh, I think, I don't know about movies. I, I'm drawing a blank, but I did just watch like, two days ago there's a netflix special called high on the hog uh and it's just about like like uh like going to the first episode was uh an american a black american going to benin and and seeing roots and seeing you know the roots of of black food in america and soul food and all these different things and the and the slave trade and i literally burst into tears which I don't do too often. I like kind on of the one hand the times I've cried in my life, but that show brought me to tears. It was it was pretty intense. So uh, that's one's really just sticking out of my mind. It was crazy. It was awesome to see like the food. Uh, Jessica B. Harris was in it, who's like a huge influential cookbook writer. Uh, the everything looked awesome. You could just see where a lot of that amazing American food comes from, and then at the end it just hits you like a freaking punch to the face with some some hardcore uh reality and truth so yeah that's if you haven't checked that out i would recommend it for sure
0: yeah that'll be my next watch just from that description that sounds right in my alley for sure sure yeah yeah super super um so what's the end goal for the intrepid eater the endeavor what what are what are we getting out of it what are we trying to do here tell everybody what your sort of your plan is and what you want to give people and what you want to receive out of, out of it.
2: Sure. Uh, it kind of started out as a, something to do. Like I, I, I did like an um, online nutrition course and, and I was doing some online schooling when I first, when COVID first hit and I wasn't working just to you know fill the time and, and learn some new things. And uh, I thought, while I'm doing that, I, I should do maybe try out like a food blog or start posting pictures of what I'm cooking. Cause uh, you know, I'm kind of known amongst my friends as someone who cooks and everyone has tried my food and everything. So I started doing that and it, and it quickly, like it felt good. It quickly got some tension. Then I I decided to maybe put some more effort into it and I developed a name and a logo. And then I started developing a website with my sister-in-law and then I started, you know, um, different social media platforms. And then, you know, now I'm doing podcasts and and I've really let the, the scope of what I do with Intrepidator uh, be fueled by what people seem to like. And it really seems like people really like that outdoor hunting and fishing kind of stuff and mixing with the, the international food. So I'm really following that. And, uh, and I'm hoping like post-COVID, which seems to be happening as we speak, I I hope, like maybe I could do in-person workshops. Maybe I could do partnerships. Um, maybe I, like, I'd love to write some books, some cookbooks or food books. I actually have a, a kid's book in the works right now with a buddy who's an artist um, about, you know, picky kids eating food. Um, so I'd like to just kind of see where it takes me. Like, I'm in a weird position right now where I'm able to do this. Um, I'm, absolutely loving what I do Um, my body's a little broken and tired from farming and and working the outdoors so long so this is kind of a nice reprieve Um, so I'm just kind of letting it happen and and flowing with it and really enjoying myself and hoping that maybe I can make something out of this and uh, trying to be super open to just let it happen so I don't have a concrete answer but I'd love to do a lot more writing I'd love to a lot more collabs I'd love to you know Reinclude include traveling back into everything and uh, hopefully make it a little bit of money f- somehow to make a living off of it. Um, and we'll see what happens.
0: Um, well, I one thing I think that that I can tell you is me and Nate are, are big fans, man. Honestly, like um, I find it really inspiring what you're doing. Um, this isn't the type of thing that I would normally, I think, get behind because I guess maybe I could be a little... Food restaurant industry bougie sometimes but um just from the pictures of the food um that you're posting the style of dishes you're making and the types of ingredients you're using um and just from talking to you man like the overall thoughtfulness behind your answers and um and just your passion for food like uh, a lot of the time that isn't enough for me to fall for somebody that or be into somebody that's doing what you're doing but i could tell i got to tell you man like it's really impressive. Uh, and I, and I can't wait to see what you do. Um, I'd love if you're ever in Southern Ontario or I could ever come out your way. Maybe we and you could get into some cooking together and, and screwing around with some stuff. Or if you're in Southern Ontario, maybe you can come out on a day in the river with me and Anthony and we could hit some fish and cook some, sh- cook some food and, and do that whole thing. Cause I'm really interested in, uh, in what, you know, and, uh, trying your food and seeing your technique and, Uh, getting some ideas from you like uh really really uh really great stuff man and i'm not just saying that because you're on here uh if i didn't think that i wouldn't have invited you on honestly i really wouldn't have
2: i really appreciate it i would love i would love to get get, together it'd be great and i'd love to see the behind the scenes of the industry a little more because it was something i had planned to get into one at one point in my life and i chose the outdoor industry instead and uh but i've always been curious like what my life would have been like within that you know, like in the restaurant industry and, and uh, kind of following that different, like that's an alternate life that some other Adam's living. And uh, I would love to, you know, get a little hint of that. So it'd be cool to see a little behind the scenes from where you're at too. So
0: well, restaurants I got, man, I don't have a shortage <laughs> of restaurants that I'm, uh, I'm running. So you ever want to come and come and check one out and see what we're doing? Uh, you just let me know. It's, yeah, it's always, an, always an open invitation. Let me get my
1: two cents in here, Adam. Uh, I, you know, I, everything Kyle said, uh, I, I'm just uh, impressed by uh, your vision, your passion. Uh, like I said, I've never, I've met all walks of life in the industry my entire life since 14 years old. And uh, you definitely got a, a good thing going here, man. And like, I really like when you said, I'm just going to see where it takes me. And I think it's, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, really with your knowledge and your, uh, you know, just you, your thirst for information, right? From all corners of the globe. Some kid from London, Ontario has been staring a uh, massive African bulls in the eye and, and it's all a big picture, right? So man, keep it up. I would love to cook with you in a heartbeat. Um, um, so, you know, I got you on Instagram, which is, you know, uh, a horrible thing at times Instagram, but this is yeah. one case where it's absolutely wonderful to connect with you and um, all the best man. And, and definitely, I'm going to definitely keep in touch with you, man. So good luck. Keep it up, man. I'm really, really impressed. Well,
2: thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be on this. This is great. It kind of came out of nowhere and I'm so happy it happened. And I'm really happy to have met you too. It's uh, yeah, super cool. It's super cool to have uh, people from the industry say I'm doing, doing well because uh, I never know, like I have nothing to, to compare myself with really. So it's, it's nice to hear that it means a lot. So thank you so much yeah
0: man no for sure um like like I mentioned like uh if we didn't think it was real, I wouldn't have uh wouldn't have extended uh the invitation uh, I was impressed right away, so I think this was great uh i I really enjoy talking to you um you know, I look forward to maybe going and shooting some geese or hunting some fish with you one day, um cooking a little bit, talking some food uh so from beautiful vantage venues downtown Toronto 27th floor um Nate's Nate's given the muscles uh we want to say thank you for listening uh thank you for coming on um and from beyond the past man uh we're out of here we out of here yo what happened to peace
1: peace peace peace. peace.